Hey everybody, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Hey everybody, this is Jim, and welcome to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. It's been a while. I've had a lot of thoughts in my mind. I just wasn't able to get in front of a microphone and be able to sit down uh, without distraction and be able to create another podcast. Uh, I spent a week last month on the road, and a lot of things led up to that, uh, requiring all kinds of time and after that. Um, Mental bandwidth, I guess that's what you can say. And uh, I I reached my limit, but it's good to be back here today. It really is. Um, Last night I was just um, sitting down, and I'm I'm looking at the Bible on on one of my tablets. I have this small tablet. It's great for reading the Bible. And I'm looking at this version of the Bible, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I've probably got about eight or nine different translations in here, New King James, Amplified, King James, American Standard Version, um, and some others. And I'm looking to it. I just happen to have it open to the Holman Christian Study Bible because it has an um, audible version included with it. Several of them do including the King James, and uh, uh, one of them, I think, I don't know if it's the uh, common uh, English version, CEV version, I think it's called. Anyway, one of them, I really don't like the guys, I hate to say it, right? but the, the way the voice is that reads the scriptures, it just doesn't really flow too well, but eh, maybe that's just me. But I'm listening to this Holman Christian Standard Bible, and I've been reading the Bible long enough where you know, I, I know when it comes to controversial scriptures, um, how th- different things can be worded, and, and people can argue over, um, you know, oh, this should be, should I have had a comma here, or this completes the last thought in the previous verse, and you know, all that. I understand that. I've actually looked into this and many arguments about what things argue, people argue about. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, as interesting as all of that is, I, I look at what's happening in life. I mean, what is God doing in your life? Um, and are you are you the city on the hill, I guess, so to speak? Are you the salt of the earth? Are you doing all the things? And, you know, it could be easy to get down on yourself and say, no, I'm not. Uh, but let me tell you something. It's the little things that you do from the heart. That makes all of the difference. I know that in our culture in the West, everything is, is about big, new, grand numbers and, and that kind of thing. And I, I don't want to belittle anybody that's done anything big or, or or be jealous of anybody that has these huge followings or anything like that. That's not the spirit of, of God. That doesn't, that's not the way God is. And, but it's all about impact, you know. So, you know, maybe you're on the, um, on the front lines in your life uh, circumstance and part of the world that you're in in your town or front lines as far as how it relates to your family and the battles that are being fought. But, you know, the only battle we're really called to fight is to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible doesn't say fight the devil. It says resist the devil. And Jesus already fought him, already beat him. And if you consider, why, why did he fight in our place? Why did he take the penalty? Because we just didn't have enough. We were bankrupt spiritually. We just didn't have what it takes. You know, so... Um, Jesus didn't say, I've come to teach you the truth. He says, I, I was the truth. He didn't say to come, I've come to show you the light. He said, I am the light. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the, 
and the life. Uh, no man comes to the Father except by me. You know, you can't get away with some of the scriptures. You know, you got to take all of it, even the parts that maybe you, you wrestle with uh, sometimes or you, or you find hard to digest. Right. But if you, if you look at things through the, um, the lens of love, I mean, the covenant that we're in right now is all of the, the under the new covenant, which the Bible says a new, better covenant established on be- upon better promises. All of the um, uh, dealings of God are, are done through grace and mercy. Right. Gr- grace is the favor of God. And mercy means that you don't um, reap uh, when you've fallen short of the mark. So, and, and again, you know, we can uh, grind these things down to the utmost. But, you know, in the times that we're, we're in, what people need is uplifting and edification. They need to be encouraged, edified. Like the Bible says, let all things be done unto the edification. To edify the brothers, lift people up that are down. And uh, no matter who you are, and no matter what you know, everybody needs encouragement sometimes. So the other night I'm sitting down and I am have this tablet open. I'm looking here and I, I see the destruction of Jerusalem. And that's when Jesus was telling the disciples in uh, the 21st chapter of Luke about what the future was going to be like. And uh, I've read into this uh, quite a bit over the last six, seven years, maybe longer, about how uh, Jerusalem, as a matter of record, was destroyed by the Roman army back in uh, 70 AD. So uh, this is a matter of record. So when they're actually asking this, he's prophesying about what the future holds. And it's funny because... When I heard this being read in the um, this translation, the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it used a few different words that made it come alive a little more to me as I was reading it than, let's say, the King James or the New King James or the American Standard Version. And um, it made me look at, look at it again. You know, sometimes when you hear the same thing over and over, it's like seeing the same thing over and over. You know, you're ever driving down the road and, and you see the same things, and you, but you don't even see them anymore after a while. After you, after you repeat the same thing over and over and over again, um, you don't see it. You know, especially in visual things like men. You know, if the lady of the house ever changes anything, you know, sometimes, uh, um, I especially remember this in, in years ago, um, you know, they don't say anything. They, they want you to notice you know, and, and and men are notorious for not noticing little things, and, and it's a shame, you know. And I've learned as I've slowed down, as time has passed, I've I've learned to appreciate little things because if you're just looking for the big things, the spectacular, then your life is going to have a lot of dry paths, and it's going to have a lot of long expanses of time where you're going to be unhappy. So, you know, I learned to appreciate the little things. And it, at first, you know, it's like somebody eats junk food. Uh, I'm talking about little things in nature, like certain uh, flowers, how they bloom certain times of the day, or ones that only bloom at night. And I just remember looking at that and thinking how how incredible that was. Now, the younger version of me couldn't have cared less, you know. But uh, I my respect for life and all of the things that God made is, is increased over time. And uh, i got to give him the credit for that. It's not like... 
you know, so, sometimes, you know, if you sit down and you look at yourself, you ever look at certain things and you think to yourself, you know, I wish I wasn't that way. You know, I, I, I wish I didn't, I, I wish I wasn't like that. Like maybe you might find yourself saying, you know, I wish I wasn't so quick to judge people. Because when you do, you get this feeling like there's a disconnect inside. You don't feel good about it. You know, we do a lot of things that, you know, you really don't feel good about. But like they say, if change were easy, everybody would be doing it because everybody realizes that they have to. But what I found is, you know, sometimes you ask God for help in a certain area with something in your life. Or, I mean, it could be anything. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a situation like health or, or money or things like that. Just Just something, you know. Let's say, for example, you know, you're not happy, but you don't even know what would make you happy as far as how you're spending your time. I mean, you couldn't even ask that request. I was talking to somebody recently about, you know, if you can go anywhere, would you, where would you want to go? And, you know, I, I don't know. I think I would leave that decision up to somebody else. So it's one of those things where, you know, if you're not happy with where you live, but you don't even know where, where you would go to. And, and I'm happy with where I live. I've learned um, during the seasons of extreme testing where the Bible says that having adequate um, food and shelter to be content, you know, be content with such things as you have. And I learned during that time to appreciate little things. But anyway, let me get not get too far down that. You you understand it, but sometimes you ask God for help and, and then you forget about it. You know, I think that's almost like the faith in, in its full force, right? Because you just leave the request in his hand and you go on your way and you live life and then suddenly it happens and it comes as a shock because you weren't even thinking about it you know when things like that happen it's incredible other times it's a fight and i believe it's a fight because we wrestle with doubts and fears right so right now it's you may not be tempted to doubt god's presence or or the fact that jesus went to the cross you know because your faith is not actually being put to the test yet in that circumstance but you know if you were you know facing an incoming missile you know and you're calling out to god i mean you know if you're older maybe you would say oh you know what i don't care i'm here here i come lord uh take me um you know or maybe you would find yourself in a place where you were worried oh my gosh i hope i'm right i hope my heart's right with god if you've been like away for a while or something like that i mean you know just things like that where where you where you wrestle with things and you fight with things but what i found is every single time at the end of the day at the end of the experience at the end of the test if you truly believe you are able to let go and move forward as though the thing were already there or as though the answer had already happened you know and when the bible says fight the good fight it's a fight to get there and and you know the enemy like the bible said he would like you to to think that your fight is with God or even maybe that your fight was is with him it is indirectly but everything we believe in the New Testament is supposed to be based on the fact of what Jesus has done and is doing uh, for on our behalf on behalf of the people that believe leading guiding you through the Holy Spirit protecting you all of all of these things and that you're you're fulfilling your destiny you're reaching the people that you were assigned to reach. So maybe you're special ops. Maybe you were sent here for just two big assignments. And when you're done doing that, then you're done. I'm not saying you necessarily leave the earth or anything like that. I'm just saying that that was your primary mission. So, but anyway, finally, I'm going to get to this 
scripture here. He's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. It happened in 70 AD. And it says here, when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that its desolation has come near. Now, again, this is past tense. It says, then those in Judea must flee to the mountains. Now, here's the thing. Back in ancient times, um, this is what the historians tell us, right? We can believe it or doubt it. It's up to you. You know, some people are trying to prove every little thing, you know, and you got to go. If you weren't there, you have to go by faith in everything. You know, I believe George Washington um, crossed the Delaware River because that's what a historian wrote. Because I wasn't there, and I don't know anybody who was alive that was there. But, you know, one person will come out and they'll say, well, you know, we have proof that he never did it. This one guy said that he has proof and wrote in his diary, and that diary was found, you know, last year. And it says that it was all a scam that they were just doing it to encourage the people. They created a false report. And, you know, you hear all that. And then it places doubt on something that you held as a fact before. You know, you go like through things like that in life. You know, but when, when I look at something when it comes to God, I believe that he is big enough, strong enough, and wise enough to set this thing up so that the pure truth is still available to people, whether they live a day after the event, a week after the event, or 5,000 years after the fact, that they can still have access to all of the facts that they need, all of the truth that they need. And furthermore, you have, according to the Bible, this isn't just a head exercise. It says you have the spirit in you that bears witness to what you're reading. Right? So anyway, um, that in, according to historians in ancient time, when when... The uh, invading forces came. Where was the safest place to be? It was not the mountains. The mountains was the worst place to be. Why? Because the cities were fortified and they were filled with supplies and rations and food and, and water and all of the things that people need uh, to sustain life. Right? But we know by history that Jerusalem was, was surrounded and the people were starved and they actually... Uh, cannibalism actually was practiced after a while. There was no way out. This was the um, the judgment for um, the Jewish people, and and not all of them, because remember there there was a group of them that were believers, right? They were all Jewish. All the uh, the original believers are all Jewish, and uh, cannibalism was practiced in, in that time. But anyway, yeah, they were surrounded, and it's a matter of historical fact. Josephus uh, has a whole book on the destruction of Jerusalem and all of the signs and wonders that appeared in the sky at the time. They said like uh, what looked like ghost chariots were seen crossing the clouds and a, and a, the, a cloud formed like a saber appeared above the uh, capital and was there for uh, several days, I believe, if I remember correctly, before it disappeared, but... And they, they said they had sounds of trumpets blowing in the in the sky during that time. So people that don't know that or don't read it or reject it think all of this is going to happen in the future. But let me continue. So it says, those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So it would take faith to go to the mountains when the, when the way to do it at the time was to go to the city. But you can see why, in hindsight, Jesus would have told them to go to the mountains because... 
What does it say in the next verse? Those inside the city must leave it, and those who are in the country must not enter it. In other words, don't come from the country and think you're going to find refuge in the city. And then he says, why? Because these are the days of vengeance. In other words, um, God's people rejected their, their Savior. To fulfill all the things that were written. Right about that. And woe to those pregnant women and nursing mother in those days. Well, no wonder, because you'd be traveling on foot going into a mountain place. And then it says, For there will be great distress in the land and great and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles. All of that happened. It's all a matter of record. Right? So if he went to the, to the cross in approximately uh, 33 AD, and this happened 40 years later, this generation shall not pass until these things be fulfilled. What was he talking about? He was talking to the people of that time. Right? So notice Jerusalem will be trampled by who? By Gentiles. Until when? Until. Until means up until this point in time. Well, guess who's in Jerusalem today? Not Gentiles, but Jewish people again. So you can see point for point where all of this happened. You, that's why people were so excited, uh, people that believed the Bible in 1947 and then again in 1967, and then again just recently when uh, Jerusalem was declared by uh, the United States as the, uh, through Donald Trump as being the capital of Israel. So Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until, well, it's not being trampled now by Gentiles, is it? Okay, now here, then, right. then, then means this is what comes after everything I just said. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. So I used to wonder, is that figurative? Because some people like to say everything's figurative, can't be literal, right? But sometimes I think it, it, the Bible has an application that's multifold. It's to the people who are looking at things through, through the spiritual lens, and it's also natural. But listen to this. Then there will be signs. Now this, this then comes at, until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. right? So the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled because it's no longer being trampled by it, Jerusalem, Gentiles. Then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and there will be anguish on the earth among nations bewildered by the roaring seas and waves. People will faint from fear and expectation of the things that are coming on the world because the celestial powers will be shaken. So here, what do you see? You see signs in sun, moon, and stars in the beginning part. And then in the end, a reference again, people fainting from fear and expectation. In other words, they're actually seeing something with their physical eyes. This isn't talking about spiritual eyes here. This is saying there will be anguish among the nations and bewilderment or confusion bewildered by the roaring sea and waves. So if there's some kind of sign in the sun, moon, and stars, I was just saying this to somebody the other night. I think that this the signs would be easier seen in the moon by us than any, any other place. Why? Because you really can't stare at the sun, not with your physical eyes. 
and the stars are a long way off, although I'm sure from binoculars you can see some what you might refer to as anomalies. <clears throat> but the moon, that's another thing. The moon just kind of sits there, you know, and, and we see details of it. You can get binoculars and high, um, long distance uh, telescope lenses and really make, make out details of everything. You know, they say there's a dark side of the moon, you know, the side that nobody's ever been to before. I don't know if that's true or not. Again, I've never been there. All I know is what other people have said. And uh, and to be honest with you, I really don't, you know, I, I choose carefully what I really put my faith in anymore when it comes to people's findings. You know, because the people who are supposed to be smart are always contradicting themselves and they're always coming back and they're saying, well, you know, we were wrong yesterday, but today we're right. You know, as, as though time were the fix-all for any problem. Well, if that, that were so, we'd be living in like an utopia world right now because we've had plenty of time to work things out. Anyway, let's not go there. People will faint from fear and expectation. In other words, these signs that they see in, in the heavens, and the sign here given on earth is roaring sea and waves. But, you know, I thought the other night, I wonder if this is a reference. You know, there's some people that believe in, in global warming, and then they don't, now there's people that don't believe in global warming. Now there's people that believe in climate change instead, right? And maybe the cold places are getting warmer and the warm places are getting colder. In other words, the climate's changing. Something's changing according to their records, right? But according to their calculations, the sea level is going to rise. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't doubt it if the sea level didn't rise, but instead we got this roaring sea and waves start happening all over. Although it became transportation by boat became very difficult, right? Because why does it say there'd be anguish among nations bewildered by roaring sea and waves? Because, you know, a lot of the food that we eat comes from the sea, comes from the ocean. And if there's a continual roaring uh, of it, if there's a continual rough, it affects everything. It affects travel, it, it affects business, it affects a lot of things. And look about the, uh, about the sun, moon, and stars and those signs. It says people will faint from fear and expectation of those things that are coming on the world. right? And then the very next verse, then they will see the Son of Man coming. So we don't know if all of this happens over a period of years or months. right? We, we just don't know. And if it's years, we don't know if it's one year, two years, five years, seven years, a whole decade. Of like the turning up the volume on the signs and the and the the sea getting a little rougher, a little rougher, a little rougher. You know, we don't we don't know any of those things, but I would say that nineteen sixty seven fulfilled the previous verses before verse twenty five. And right now I would say that we haven't seen signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Now you may say, you know what we have, and you may maybe you send me a link to a video. You know, but I'm saying that it says that there will be anguish among the nations by the roaring sea and waves and people will faint from fear we don't see that yet we see people mocking oh you're just doomsdayers and that kind of thing we see that but we don't actually see people fainting from fear because of the things we actually see you know once you once it's seen once those those awesome signs appear whatever they're going to be like 
but they're going to be imposing. They're going to be intimidating. Let's put it that way. You know, you don't have to wonder if something is truly intimidating. You know it, right? You know, you, you can read about giants, you know, but if a 40 feet creature, creature was standing in front of you, you know, um, with a giant club, then th that would be intimidating, wouldn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. Even if you were in a tank, that would probably be intimidating because you're not sure how strong or how fast or how smart that thing really was. And and what did he say here? He said, but when you see these things take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is near. Now, you know what? The Jesus who said this knew that I would be sitting here X amount of years into the future reading this. Why? Because the Bible says all of this has basically already happened. I know that's hard to uh, digest, but the Bible says that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the, the world. We're living in time and things appear to take days, weeks, months, years, sometimes, before they happen. We live in this linear thing, but yet the Bible says God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He, he says, I have given the enemy into your hand before the battle even begins. He says, I've made you the father of many nations, said that to Abraham long before Sarah ever got pregnant, right? Years went by before it actually came to pass, right? Now, we can make a bunch of reasons why maybe some were Abraham's fault, maybe free will made slow down the process, but but God knows how to get the job done, and really that's the only thing that matters in the end. I believe, you know, as stupid as some of the decisions that I've made in the past, and maybe I'll make stupid ones again, you know, maybe just like anybody else, you know, you get distracted and you do things and you find that your peace is a little bit less tomorrow than it was today. And you fill your your mind with things that don't uplift you, that don't build you up on the inside. And God just seems a little further away. Your confidence is just a little bit less. And, you know, that goes on long enough. And, you know, I think about how the devil attacked Jesus and how in the beginning of his ministry, um, he tested him 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. That's a long time. No food, nothing to drink, and all of those temptations coming. You know, and you know, you'd like to think if it was you, you wouldn't break, but you don't know. By the grace of God, you don't break. And, and see, that's the thing. I think sometimes we put a little bit too much focus on ourselves and our own ability, you know, but uh, I think the, the real reason why the gospel is called good news. Is because everything we every time we look at Jesus, it's it's good news that we see. We see forgiveness, we see redemption, uh, we see healing and deliverance. We see anything that we need. Every time we put him to the side and and and, and start examining the things that he said and taught, but without him in the mix, you know, it, we we tend to get legalistic. We 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 tend to get a little performance minded or performance conscious and we, and we become aware our own shortcomings suddenly get seem to be a little bit larger a little bit more um overwhelming you know so the the other night i had to tell you about two three nights in a row i had these just terrible dreams just gross things in these dreams i don't mean gross like large but just you know, vomiting type of sick to your stomach type images I saw in these dreams. And I, I realized the third night 
that this happened in a row that you know why I, I I would never even choose to think of an image like that I don't even remember seeing something like that in my life um, and so I got up and I prayed and it was a simple prayer I I came to God the way a child would go to a parent and I was honest I said Lord please um, come into my uh, my dreams through the Holy Spirit and, and, and bring me peace um, as I sleep. You know, I, I tried other things in, in the past, like in the, in the actual dream. I remember like these creatures and I used the name of Jesus after them and it pushed them back and things like that happened. But then it's, you know, after it happened several times, I'm like, you know, I'm having like a war in my, in my sleep at night. You know, I'm, I'm fighting these things and even though they're not defeating me, I don't want to be fighting while I'm sleeping. I want to be rested when I get up. And so I asked God for help. <laughs> I just asked him for help. And, and afterward, I, I just had to leave it in his hands that he would work it out. You know, I mean, I prayed protection around the house. I prayed protection around my mind. I did all those things, but it still seemed like these things would leak in. And... um and after I did that, after I, I guess what happened after I prayed like that? I actually, I got help. It's like God came in. You know, I can imagine standing uh, before the judgment and saying, you know, how come you didn't help me more um, until I asked? And that would be a rhetorical question. You know, I didn't help you until you asked. Maybe he can't help us until we ask sometimes. You know, I, I hate to say that you know, make a doctrine out of that, you know, that type of thing, that God can't help you until you ask. But there's a lot of scriptures that point to that, to that fact. You know, I mean, it, it, this is the equivalent of it. This is what I felt. God taught me how to fight, right? God taught me how to box. God taught me how to wrestle. God taught me these things. So as I walked down the street and, and got attacked by two people, I did exactly what he taught me to do. I fought, I wrestled and everything. But then one day I walked down the street, there was a whole gang of them and, and I wasn't able to slip every punch. And I started getting hit. Then I started getting knocked down. Then I started getting banged up. And um, why did that happen? Well, if you would have just called and asked for help, you would have got it sooner. But you didn't. You know, it's just like a, a, a palm to the forehead. Like, why didn't, why didn't I think of that? Why? Because, I mean, let's face it. You take your eyes off of Jesus he becomes less like an individual and a person, more just like a, a historical, I don't want to say historical, uh, especially if you really believe in your heart, but he becomes more of a teaching, more of a, an information piece, you know, more like a book. As good as the information is, you, when you close the book, the book, the information stays in the book, right? What you take with you, you take with you. But we're talking about the Jesus of the Bible was raised from the dead. He's not just a book. And he's connected with you through the Holy Spirit. He says that it's to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to send another comforter who's just like me to you. Right? And he'll bring to remembrance everything that I taught you. That's what he told the disciples. And, um, you know, Jesus said, if any man love me, my father and I will come and make our home with him. How does he do it? Well, you know, obviously you don't have an extra bedroom in your house where God and Jesus sleep. You know? <laughs> You, you, they come to you through the Spirit. They live with you. They live in you. you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God, Jesus, 
I mean, think about that. The Holy Spirit can be with everybody, but one Jesus can be with one person at a time. The physical person back in that time can only be with one person, but through the Spirit, he could be everywhere. Just try and digest that. Imagine that. Imagine having the type of mind where you could work on 20 different problems, 200 different problems, 2,000 different problems. I'm just using finite numbers that we can relate to. Simultaneously, independently, yet collectively. Right? What kind of mind is that? I mean, we do have computers that do multitasking, right, that have all the data in them. Well, God, in his mind, I know we know that he has all the data in there, and he's able to compute it all. He's able to download things from that mind into, into the minds of all of his people because the body said it's just the believers. It, it talks about all of us being part of the body of Christ. He's the head, we're the body, it says, those who believe. He uses the body because, you know, blood travels through the whole, a whole body, right? The same blood that passes through your eye will eventually pass through your toe. Isn't that true? Yeah, so when you read this, in the end it says, um, it sums it up by says, then, after all these visible things are causing people to faint from fear happens, then they will see the Son of Man coming in glory. So when these things begin to take place, not after they've taken place, right? But when you start to see the signs, lift up your head because your redemption is near. I believe that has an application to everything he told that people at the time and to us today. Well, because your redemption is near. If, if, you're, if you're a believer, you're not going to be here on this earth forever. And when you draw your last breath, I believe your, your redemption is near. In other words, you'll pass from this earthly tabernacle, like the Bible says, an earthly body, and then you'll be in, in another body um, in the presence of God where it says you'll be there forever. So, yeah, does that answer every question? Absolutely not. People have questions all the time, but sometimes having a, another piece that you can add to it makes a pretty big difference. It's enough to give you some encouragement. It's enough to lift up your head. You know, he talks about the parable of the fig tree in the next verses after that and, um, and about how it says, well, as soon as you put out the as soon as it puts out the leaves, you you recognize that the summer is, is already near. It says, in the same way, when you see these things happening, recognize the kingdom of God is near you. All right. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thanks for listening. This is Jim. God bless you. If you haven't been to the main website, I really need to start updating with some articles because I know some people would rather read than. Um, listen. And I really need to do some articles like I do the podcast. You know, in the past, I, I put a lot of teachings on there. I know you can get teachings anywhere. I don't want to say you can get good teaching anywhere, but, you know, as, as far as practical application and things that the average person, the average believing person can relate to, um, I, I think there's probably a, more of a need for that than just quote unquote, you know, let's read this verse and try and apply it. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, I've learned this. I hope you, you know it already. If you haven't and you can't receive it now, just put it aside for a later time. 
But, you know, you, you can't put your trust in men. You can't elevate somebody and say, oh, this is the person that I, I listen to. This is, this is my teacher, you know. You know, the Bible says that you don't have to rely on any single person as, as your leader. It says you have no need that any man teach you in the Bible. Even though by God put teachers in the church, it says you don't have any need to rely. In other words, you don't need to rely on a personality to get you through, or to give you everything you know. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been given to us to lead us and guide us and bring us into all the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit was given. Right? The Holy Spirit's ministry continues Jesus's ministry here in this dispensation that we're in till the last time, the last era, the last quote-unquote days. All right. Hope that was a benefit to you. Again, God bless, and I hope I will talk to you again soon.